I think every year when we, we do that moment of silence, I think it's hard. I sense from the students in the room, it's hard to kind of enter into that and feel like, you know, we really need to give this moment of silence because there's not a lot of feeling with it. Um, but when I'm standing in the room and we have it, I feel the weight of what happened and, and just remembering that there were people whose day ended very suddenly, that there were a lot of emergency personnel, policemen, the fire department, uh, soldiers even that, that ran and got involved and, and gave their lives, many of them. I know like our entire fire department was wiped out from where I lived. They all died except for three. Um, so there were a lot that rushed to save people and there are people that will do amazing things to take care of you. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Ninth Grade Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dutchko. The goal of the podcast is to give you the story of ninth grade students here at Emmaus High School and beyond through the people who live it daily, the students and the staff. We will attempt to touch on real issues and stories that ninth grade students face in order to prepare them to know that ninth grade counts. And I'm really excited about this week's episode. Uh, it's a kind of a, a heavy topic, but the collection of stories and individuals that we have telling their stories is pretty amazing. So uh, this week we are celebrating or remembering the 20th anniversary of September 11th, 2011. So uh, all of our students primarily uh, were not alive when that happened. So today we're taking some time to reflect and think about some of our staff members in the building who are either students, ninth graders on 9-11, uh, or teaching either in our school district or other school districts around us on that day and what they remember and how that day went and impacted the students on that day, the days followed and beyond as well. So we have five different teachers who are going to share stories about their experience on September 11th. Uh, Miss Burke, who is one of our school counselors, is going to share her story about being a student at Liberty High School on September 11th in ninth grade. Uh, Ms. Bauer, our school librarian, is going to share her story about teaching ninth graders at Whitehall High School. We have Miss Ag Augustine, who was actually teaching in New York City on the day of September 11th and has very vivid stories about what was going on that day, how students got home, those kinds of things. Um, we're going to talk to Mrs. Horner, who had family who was in New York and Boston, which were the sites of the uh, where the planes took off on that day. And we're going to close it out talking with Mr. Gallagher, who is our one of our social studies teachers here at the high school, who is teaching, he's our East Penn School District representative of that day, who was teaching at Iyer Middle School at the time and remembers back to what was going on in their school and in the district as well, too. Um, for me personally, I remember that day. I was a junior in college at the time and uh, in college at the University of Maryland College Park, which was located right outside of Washington, D.C. And I remember the day. I remember going through the day. Classes continued as usual. I was a journalism major, so I remember that at that point all my classes were really focused on 
getting the story and figuring out what was going on. It wasn't until the next day that our campus closed uh, because of the proximity. And we had I, we had a lot of friends who had family in, in New York and working at the buildings uh, at the Pentagon as well, too. So it was really a, an eventful day, one of those impactful days that no matter how old you are, if you were alive, you will remember that day uh, pretty vividly. So I hope that you can listen to the stories of our staff members here at Emmaus High School and really make a connection to the things and the events of that day and their importance. So uh, hopefully you enjoy this episode. If you like this episode and want to listen to others, you can always go back and listen to uh, our previous episodes on ninthgradeexperience.com. And if this episode really touches you or kind of makes you want to react, uh, you can leave a voicemail on our website where the little blue button is, or you can always email us as well too or email cstuchko at eastpennsd.org so uh we really hope this is a long episode i'm going to tell you it's the longest one we've ever done but it is definitely the most full of information and the full of stories and and we really hope that you get a lot out of it so we're going to start things off by hearing from mrs burke about her experience as a ninth grade student on september 11th we have one of our school counselors here mrs burke who is in first time uh, coming on to the show. Usually she works with students in 10th, 11th, and 12th grade, but volunteered that she had a unique experience on September 11th, 2001. So uh, we wanted to bring her on and you can get to know her. Maybe she'll be your counselor in the future. So Mrs. Burke, thanks a lot for joining us today. Sure, thanks for having me. So uh, you bring a unique perspective to our ninth grade students because you were actually a ninth grade student on September 11th, 2001. Uh, yep. it's a, it's a tough one to find in our building. We have a lot of older teachers, so uh, I'm glad that somebody that was actually a ninth grader on that day is available to us. So what do you remember? You can tell us where you were. You, you can identify the school if you want. Um, but what do you remember about being in ninth grade on that day? So, um, I attended Liberty high school in, in Bethlehem and I do remember I was in phys ed. So I was in physical education class and, um, we had just started um, a weight room like circuit training and it's crazy because I just I remember sitting on the leg extension machine um, and I was under so the weight room that we were in we had two different weight rooms but the weight room we were in was under um, I believe it was some sort of steps because the ceiling was um, slanted so I'm assuming I, I can't remember exactly but I believe we were under steps and so um, I remember sitting on the weight room or the um, leg extension machine and um, my phys ed teacher was also the wrestling coach at Liberty. So he kind of like, I think he was a little bit more passionate about being the wrestling coach than a phys ed teacher. So he was kind of doing his own thing. And he did have like a smaller, like 13 inch TV on um, in his area there. So I remember it breaking news popping up, you know, when you see those notifications, when you're um, just watching television. And so I remember the breaking news popping up and I remember seeing the twin towers and he had turned it off right away. Um, and we all kind of looked at each other. We wrapped we were able to leave phys ed early. We went back in to change. Um, and the rest of the day was really, it was, it was strange because some, some were talking about it and some weren't some teachers had the TVs on some didn't. Um, I remember walking in some of the hallways throughout the day and seeing and having other students stop outside of classrooms that had windows where the TVs were on so they could try and get a glimpse of what was actually happening. Um, so it kind of, 
I want to say it was like a free for all in the building, but I, I think everyone was so um, just surprised and sad and confused. And we didn't know what was going on until, you know, later that day when we got home um, and we were able to watch the news a little bit more, but I definitely was in phys ed class on the leg extension machine um, <laughs> under, yeah. under steps. And we always talk on the show with, uh, with people about, they usually have very vivid uh, ninth grade memories, um, whether it's an event or an activity they were involved in. And I'm sure you have other, hopefully better uh, ninth grade memories than that. But um, I just think it's really interesting that you vividly remember like being in gym class on the machine where it was. Um, yep. So you're, this is like the second, let's just assume it's the second week of high school. So you're mm -hmm. trying to transition to high school. You're trying yep. to like find your way. And then an event like this happens. Was there in the days that followed if, as best you remember, did it kind of, what was the impact on that and kind of getting, um, you know, into used to the school and getting acclimated? Was it just like the, what were the next couple of days like? Um, very like solemn. And I think that, um, <clears throat> you know, you're so excited. Teachers are still pretty fresh coming right out of summer. And, um, I remember teachers not being as, and just like seeing adults not being as bubbly as I feel like teachers would be the first month of school. So, um, it was definitely kind of, um, I remember just feeling like sad and confused, but not entirely sure. Like, obviously I knew why. And I unfortunately didn't have any direct impact. Like I didn't know. I, I mean, I didn't know anyone that was involved in the attacks. And so um, like no family or friends or anything. So thank gosh for that. But um, I just remember people kind of walking around with like their heads down and not having that like scared butterfly feeling that I'm in like a huge school because everyone was so focused. They, everyone's focus had shifted to what had just happened in our country. And, um, looking back, I'm like, okay, that, yeah, that makes a ton of sense why, um, we weren't all bubbly and happy within the first couple of weeks of my high school career. Do you remember, um, any, and you don't have to mention anyone by name if you remember them, but do you remember anyone because, you know, Liberty, Bethlehem, a lot of like New York transplants, those kinds of things, even like Washington, D.C. Do you remember hearing about anyone that was impacted directly by it and, and kind of what the reaction was within, you know, the school community? Yeah, um, I only really remember a couple of people saying like aunts and uncles and stuff. I really like none of my friends, none of my close friends or even um like groups of friends. I don't remember really anyone saying that their parents had worked or a brother, you know, an immediate family member had worked, but I do remember some people saying, oh, my uncle, you know, it works next to the building or my aunt was walking around the city at the time. But um, again, fortunately there was no, no one that I knew that was impacted by directly like through their immediate family. And you were talking about how like kind of the mood of the school was kind of somber for a while. Do you remember kind of when it started turning back into, we'll just use air quotes, normal school or kind of back into what you were anticipating your freshman year to be like? I would say that took a solid month or so. I do remember it lasting. It, it kind of lingered for a little bit. Um, I'd say probably mid-October uh, because then I think people were getting excited for homecoming and Halloween. And so like the um, 
the, the mood ramped up and we, and I do remember, I remember a significant shift in um, how people were kind of like presenting themselves and in the environment that we were in, but it was not something quick. Like it wasn't like the following week or even the next week. It was definitely a solid like four to five weeks until I noticed um, a mood change. Now you mentioned that you m- remember seeing it on a 13 inch TV. People were, yeah, peeking. it was one of those small ones. <laughs> People were peeking into rooms, other things like that. How, how do you think the experience would have been different? Um, if we were kind of living in today where it's like social media and the immediate news and news that people could get, like, I'm just imagining like our ninth grade students now, like, it's amazing to think back that when you were in ninth grade, maybe I doubt it, but like cell phones were kind of just starting to come into fashion. Like, obviously it was, might've been the beginning of texting. Um, but you weren't like getting all of your news on your phone. Do you think it would have been different like what do you think the experience would have been like with with social media as a part of it I think that um yeah I got my first cell phone um Christmas of junior year so I definitely did not have a cell phone in ninth grade um I just because of so many different I mean there's so much going on in the world currently and so I I do think that well and there was that too we just weren't as aware of it because of the immediacy like you had mentioned but um i think that parents would be a lot quicker to pick their students up from the high school not knowing what could happen you know the next hour or that afternoon um i do remember hearing like a couple a couple people that were picked up but for the most part um i the majority of us had stayed in school from what i remember like stayed in school that day now whether or not like they chose to keep their kids home the day the following days after that but i don't know but i think that um parents would be very quick right now to grab their kids out of school just to get them home and make sure that they're safe you know not out in public so you have a, uh, a so you have a unique perspective in the building here as a school counselor. You get to see all different, you know, levels of kids. Um, what do you think if we had something like that today? Like obviously, you talked about like your classroom teachers and how they were kind of interacting with the day. As your role right now as a school counselor, what what do you think your day would look like if something like that were to happen? And then kind of the the uh, after the aftermath, the impact afterwards of like kind of dealing with something like that, like a national level tragedy? Um, I think so much of this can, I'm so many of our students uh, experience anxiety on the daily anyway. And so I think that this would evoke so much more um, anxiety and distress um, because of the unknown. But I think that I personally would need to do my research and figure out why this happened and, and, um, how it had, like, I would want to know all the information I can before really having a conversation about the event itself. However, um, I'm here to listen. And, and if students just want to talk about their feelings and why they might be scared and emotional, that's something that we would, you know, process and, and work through. But I think that, um, just providing additional resources, I know there's a bunch of, um, 
other, you know, like we have seen, we have Mrs. Williams with CIS in here, um, the communities in school. So I would uh, assume that we would probably arrange some small group, um, like counseling sessions or therapy sessions, or just even like talking points um, to get through those difficult conversations that you don't want to avoid because you do want to understand it. Um, but, and yeah, that's, that's tricky. I, I, I'm happy I haven't had to do that yet. So um, I can, I, I'd probably also have to go through the, the motions and, and our, all of the counselors here would sit down and we'd probably come up with a plan together to make sure we're on the same page, giving them the same sort of like suggestions and um, comments and stuff. So last question, and we appreciate you taking your time here. I had a college roommate who his birthday is September 11th. Me too. Yeah. So, so is it weird that, um, you, you know, you have these memories of ninth grade and, you know, we can come back on a different episode and talk about your ninth, your, the rest of your ninth grade experience, but is it weird? Like, what is the feeling like to know that like your ninth grade year kind of, when you look back on it, that is like one of the, the defining moment or something that like will always be associated with your ninth grade year. Definitely a unique way to start your high school career. Um, I do remember like several years, even now, you know, texting, it's not, it wasn't my college roommate, but one of my best, best friends from high school, her birthday was nine is nine 11. And so, um, you know, it's weird though. Do you say nine 11 or do you say it's September 11th? And cause I feel like nine 11, I, whenever I say the word, the numbers nine 11, I just think of like the um, logo almost that they've made out of it. Um, I don't know if yeah. you've seen, you've like, seen that. Yep. Like with the logo so, with the towers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So when I say nine 11, I, and I, I don't think of her birthday, I think of the event that happened, but I guess sometimes when I say the word September 11th and I, and I see that word in my mind, then that's, I guess a little bit more celebratory for her, but, um, I do, I, I know that that's, it's almost awkward in a way because you don't like, you want to celebrate, um, the birth of someone that is really important to you, but, you know, such a significant event happened to our country and life-changing, I mean, in so many different ways. So, um, that's, that's definitely, uh, there's so many words I want to use to describe what, what that means. Um, but if anything, I think that it also, we were able to, to, um, you know, come together. I feel, I remember feeling really united, um, afterward being like, you know, America is so strong and we're going to come back stronger than ever. And, um, I do remember that sense of like togetherness after that happened. So in a way, you know, I certainly wasn't anything, um, positive on us, but I guess if we're looking for the silver lining, then that, that probably would be it as well. Uh, feel that united feeling. Well, thanks a lot to Mrs. Burke for sharing her unique ninth grade perspective on the events of September 11th. And uh, we look forward to maybe having you in the future come back on as a guest to talk yeah. about some other thanks parts of your ninth me. grade. And we appreciate sure. you joining us. Thanks a lot, Mr. Stuchko. All right. We're here with a new guest to the ninth grade experience podcast. She doesn't normally teach ninth graders, so she hasn't had a chance to come on, but we're here with Mrs. Augustine, who is one of our chemistry teachers here in the building, who uh, was the first person who responded to an email that I had sent out to our faculty and staff asking if anyone had a 
firsthand experience of teaching or being in school during September 11th. So um, I'm, we're excited to share her story and um, we appreciate her taking some time out today to join us to tell us. So Mrs. Augustine, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. So you gave us a little, you gave me a little bit of background in the email that you had sent that, you know, it sounds like you had a really unique firsthand experience of everything that happened. So why don't you just kind of take us back to the day, um, September 11th, 2001, and where were you teaching and what were you doing? I was teaching in Manhattan and the um, upper, upper east side of Manhattan in an area called Spanish Harlem. And so I was right on the river. And so as I looked, as you go down the river, you would see the World Trade Centers. Uh, my office was kind of odd. We were, we were on the, the roof because they had a greenhouse on the roof that they had converted into small offices. So I was up on the roof. And when everything happened, um, we couldn't necessarily hear what was going on, but we, we went just outside and looked and we could see the towers uh, as they were burning. And then as another plane came and hit the second tower, um, you know, it was, it was a prep for me. So it, I just wasn't teaching at the moment, but there were a lot of things that we heard at that point. Um, in terms of what was happening, we didn't really know what was happening. Our phones were all, at that point, they all were knocked out uh, because a lot of the cell um, cell towers were on the World Trade Center and other lines were jammed. As because of where we were, we were on an emergency route. So we just kept hearing, all we could really hear was the emergency vehicles nonstop driving down. So it was sirens all day long. Uh, as we tried to find out what was happening, my best friend's husband was working in the towers, so we were trying to get a hold of him. Um, we had my roommate was working in the towers. My roommate at the time, um, there there was just a lot of people connected to us that were in the towers, and certainly our students had some relatives, you know, whether it be parents or aunts and uncles that worked there as well. Um, and so certainly schooling itself just kind of stopped and we stayed in classrooms as we heard these sirens and would just hear call the names of students over the loudspeaker and they would leave. And otherwise we sat there wondering what was going on, if we were under attack in general, because we heard the Empire State Building was under attack. So we had no idea what was going on. We just kind of sat there and waited for information um, as to what to do. There was no transportation at that point because we all took public transport. So subways were knocked out because they go through that area uh, and buses weren't running. So we were just there till the end of the school day, at which point they pretty much just said they they assembled anybody together and said you're just going to have to find a way home you'll have to walk if some people were 10 15 miles away like maybe there's somebody with a car that you can carpool with if there is go with them if not you're just kind of on your own at this point even students so we were all just figure out how to get home yeah, that's that's crazy to think that there, obviously there was no plan in place. Like I know here at the high school, we have a plan where if we need to leave the the facility, we can go certain places. But there was probably no plan in place. So, you know, you go through the rest of the day, 
and you try to, you know, you're just kind of managing the day as it was. And then the day ends. And then, you know, did kids like, how did kids find their way home? Like, did you, did anyone like stay or like, I just think that's a really interesting wrinkle is like, you know, you had all these kids, hundreds of kids and, and you just kind of released them back out. And like, did they make their way home? Like, how did they do it? I'm not exactly sure what some of, I mean, some of them got rides with some teachers that might've driven. Uh, some of them might've had friends in the neighborhood that they stayed with and others, I mean, a lot of people in New York just walked. You walked over bridges, you walked, everybody carried their things and just walked together in mass. They're really, it really driving even was difficult at that point because everybody was walking. Yeah, I remember. Remember, like those are like some of the classic scenes that you remember. Like afterwards, is just like people just walking and not even really knowing where they're walking to, just trying to walk to get away from the heart of everything that was going on. How about for you personally? Like, were, like were you able to make it back to where you were living at the time, or did you have to get rerouted? Or how about your own personal, like the rest of that day? Uh, there were some other teachers there that also lived in my area. And so uh, one of the teachers had a car. So I was able to get a ride home. Thankfully, we all like stuffed in her car. We didn't usually all travel with her, but we all stuffed in the car. And I just remember even driving, it, the, the streets were just filled with people. You know, you were just kind of driving. I mean, there were cars driving, so it wasn't that you couldn't, but there were so many more people just walking even as you went over bridges and everything to try to get home. I lived on an island called Roosevelt Island, which is part of Manhattan, but it's actually a separate island in the East River. Um, so we had to go into Queens and then come back across another bridge to get onto the island. Uh, and we could, from that island, we were closer to the World Trade Center than I was at the school. Um, and so all the all the ash, all the smoke, all the everything was just coming right up the river because there were no buildings blocking at that point. So that was a lot of the smells. I just remember a lot of the smells and the heaviness of the air just kind of being, you know, very polluted and hard to breathe and still being hearing those sirens. It was just, I, I felt like I heard sirens for at least 24 hours, it didn't stop. It was just constant emergency vehicles going back and forth, mostly going downtown, but you also had them coming back up. It was nonstop. <laughs> so those are my sounds that I think of and my smells. Yeah, I can only imagine. I'm sure that that, that is just imprinted in your mind. Even I'm sure, you know, with this year being the 20th anniversary and kind of, you know, remembering some of that stuff, I'm sure you could remember those or even probably comment on the smells and and the sounds and kind of remember it like it was yesterday. So a question to my, like we've been asking people like, how was the next day? Now, obviously you were in New York. No one we've talked to was in New York at the time. So after that day, when was the next time that you were actually in school and had a chance to see your students again? I think we only had one day off. I don't remember having two. I think it was one day and it was raining. Um, we stayed inside because again, the air was so, besides the fact it was raining, it was so polluted out. 
but when we came back to school, I, I believe it was just, just that one day and then we went back. So the 11th, 12th, 13th, I guess we would have gone back. Was there any like resistance to going back or did people want to get back to like, you know, obviously we've overused the word normal in the last year with everything going on, but like, was there just a push to kind of return everyone back to like this, like school and all the other stuff or people were people concerned or nervous about going back so soon? I think people were in shock. Um, some people couldn't get to school still because there still wasn't public transport coming through down downtown which a lot of kids came from Brooklyn. So if you come from Brooklyn, you'd have to go through the World Trade Center area. So a lot of them couldn't get to school, um, at least not that day. So at that point, when we went back, it was um, really wondering what we were gonna find out about one another. Um, was anyone gonna have lost family members um, or people that were close to them? So there were people missing. We were certainly happy when people came because we didn't even know like what happened that they weren't there. Was it transportation issues or was it deaths in the family? Um, and I didn't, I don't remember students being resistant to coming. I think we all just were kind of on this, do what's normal in the midst of something that wasn't normal and was traumatic. Um, just just try to do the normal and go to school and feel something normal. And you, you know, we were talking before we started recording and I did ask you a question returning to normal, like how long did it take before there was any sort of normalcy back in your school? You know, the school went through the school day as normal, but for all of us getting there and going home, it wasn't normal because in New York, you'd, you'd go on the subway or you'd be walking and people would just sit down and be crying. There, there were so many people that were just grieving. There were people putting up signs of relatives of, have you seen them? Because they didn't know who was missing. Yeah, they knew who was missing, but not who had been killed. So people were trying to find relatives. Mm -hmm. And so that was plastered all around you as you made your way to school. So I think when we got there, the routine was normal, but we weren't normal. None of us were. We, did, we all just were feeling this intense grief and really fear. I remember just for myself, you know, for probably at least a year, maybe two after that, in my bag for school, I always had a comfortable pair of shoes. I always had water. I always had um, a radio, a flashlight, and something I could snack on because I was afraid that I'd have to walk again yeah, or I'd get trapped. Yeah, and that's really, you know, a pretty vivid visual there. Like, uh, honestly, like you're preparing now, like it's now you have to always have that thought in your head about what do I do in case this does happen. So it's that's really an, a uh, powerful, like, image just to imagine walking back and forth. You said the kids kind of went through their day normally. Now, obviously, every kid was different in different situations. But what was, like, the overall, like, tone of the students in the building? What was that like? I think they were sad. It was just, all I can say is it was a lot of grief from no matter what age. So the kids were just subdued and sad. Eventually, 
that sadness, I think, turned into anger. So then you saw a lot of, and, and that was months later. It went from this, this sadness that you could feel to people just being very short and very angry. And kids were that way too. They were, they'd get upset very easily. They'd get into fights easily. Um, I think it was just part of the grieving process for, for them. So last question, and, and I we really appreciate you kind of recounting some of these details. I know it, it must not be easy to kind of remember all the different stuff and, and have to go through with, you know, remembering these different things. So the students that are in the Emmaus High School right now were all, most of them were not alive when this happened. Our freshmen definitely not alive when this happened. As somebody that lived through it, what would you want them to really understand about what happened from the perspective of somebody that was there on that day? Because I think a lot of times when we talk about history, like you don't often get to hear about it from somebody's perspective that was literally like there while it was happening. So what would you kind of tell students and even adults that are listening too that might not have that perspective? What, what was that day like and what do you think they should really remember from it? That's a hard one. <laughs> Um, I think every year when we, we do that moment of silence, I think it's hard. I sense from the students in the room, it's hard to kind of enter into that and feel like, you know, we really need to give this moment of silence because there's not a lot of feeling with it. Um, but when I'm standing in the room and we have it, I feel the weight of what happened and, and just remembering that there were people whose day ended very suddenly, that there were a lot of emergency personnel, policemen, the fire department, uh, soldiers even, that, that ran and got involved and, and gave their lives, many of them. I know like our entire fire department was wiped out from where I lived. They all died except for three. Um, so there were a lot that rushed to save people. And there are people that will do amazing things to take care of you. So when you look at those people and think they're just here to make me do something or to make me act a certain way, be aware that those are the people that will rush in to take care of you. Um, there are those before them that have, and they will do it again. And so there's an appreciation and just an honoring of those that would step in that position and say they would be that people that I think we need to have and we need to remember. And at the same time, even appreciate that we're not there. We're not in that time right now. Um, we are living in a time that isn't as scary in that sense of somebody coming in that way and hurting us in that way. Um, we don't have that fear, at least we don't think to, we do right now. And so just appreciate that, um, I guess, would be some things that run through my head. I, I think that's a great message to end on, too, because I'm sure, you know, if we're if you're watching this on the day it actually happens or even in school, we will do like a moment of silence. But I think a lot of times students don't have the context behind why we do the things that we do. And I think hopefully people take the time out to listen to your story and to really kind of put some real um, personal 
story behind the events of the day. So Mrs. Augustine, thank you so much for sharing your day that day with us and, and all the experiences that, that you had during that day. So thanks a lot for joining us. Yep, thank you. All right, we're here with Mrs. Horner. Mrs. Horner has been a previous guest on the Ninth Grade Experience podcast. You can check out in the show notes the episodes that she was on last year. And we're excited to have her back to tell her story about teaching and what some of her other sisters were actually experiencing on September 11th uh, on that actual day. So thanks a lot for joining us, Mrs. Horner. Sure, thanks for having me. All right. So the first question we're asking everybody is, so where, what were you doing on September 11th, 2001? I was student teaching. I was in Norristown, uh, which is right outside Philadelphia, uh, doing my student teaching. And um, yeah, I was at school and somebody came into the classroom that I was teaching in and said, do you know what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything. I was too teaching. What do you mean? What's going on? And they're like, you need to come over here. You need to come over here. So I kind of pop out of the room. Um, there was a substitute that day, actually. And so the substitute kind of took over for a second for me. And I went over and they had the TV on in the room, like one room over. And they showed uh, the first plane had crashed into the Twin Towers. Um, so that's kind of where, where I was when it started. Um, and then, so I have, Mr. Sesko, you already referenced, I have two sisters. Um, one worked in New York City at the time and the other one was living in Boston. So uh, of course, as soon as this happened, I knew it was happening in the city and I knew that both my sisters were right there. Actually, the one who lives in Boston, she was flying a lot for work then and she was actually in New York the day before and her hotel room overlooked the Twin Towers. So I had just talked to her on the phone and she was telling me about how she was in New York, had to go back to home to Boston and then was taking a flight out of Boston that next day. And that was the day that, that the Twin Towers um, collapsed and the, the bombing happened. Um, so I knew that she was leaving from Boston and people probably don't remember, but the hijackers flew out of Boston. And it was the same airport that she was flying out of at the same time, but one gate over. So if you've ever been to the airport and they'll tell you where to go and they'll be gate 15, gate 16. So she was at, let's say gate 15 and they were at gate 16. They're boarding pretty much at the same time. Um, she, they were flying, I believe it was, I know it was a further distance than her. Cause I, what afterwards, I didn't realize this. So I didn't know if she was on the flight. Um, so I was getting really upset and emotional. And um, did she, did she get on a plane that day? Yeah. So she was she on did. the plane. She was on a plane. Know. She yeah. was in the air. She didn't know that this had happened because they were both getting on at the same time. So she, the reason that they, they chose the flight that they chose is because it was a longer flight and it had more gas in the plane, which would cause more destruction. So the flight that they hijacked, and I don't remember, I wanna say that one of them, I don't remember if it was her or them were going to California. So I don't know, um, wherever they were going was a longer flight, the hijackers than where my sister was going. Mm -hmm. So I didn't find all this out till later, uh, but at the time I knew that she was on a flight, leaving from Boston, the same airport at the same time. So, and she was in there and I did not know where she was. So that was scary. Then, so that was my one sister. Then my other sister, 
lives in New York City. She was going to work. She said she was going down into the subway to get the subway up to work. And when she went down into the subway, it was just another day. She had gone up that morning. She went for a run. She lived there. She could. She kind of ran by the Twin Towers, actually. Ran home, got ready for work, went down into the subway. And she said that when she got to where she was getting off, she got out of the subway and there was already chaos. So the, the first tower went down when she was down in the subway. So she comes up and there's people running everywhere and freaking out. And she's like, what is going on? She had no idea what was going on. And somebody said, you know, that something happened to one of the Twin Towers. What they told her was that a plane flew too close to the Twin Tower and accidentally like clipped it or ran into it and the Twin Tower went down. So at this point, she's like, oh my gosh, it's a horrible accident. This is crazy. I can't believe that happened. So um, people are running everywhere and there's like a huge dust, like smoke dust cloud going through the city. So she ran to her office because that was closest to her, for her. So she went to her office. She worked at the Chrysler building. She went up to her, you know, wherever floor she was at and just to try to stay safe. Um, and then she was there and then the second one hit and she could look out the windows from her office and see where the Twin Towers were. And so once the second one hit, then people realize this isn't an accident. This is some type of horrible act of terrorism. So they, um, people were screaming, get away from the windows, we're next, because that was like, the Chrysler building is a very famous building in New York City. So everybody in her work is screaming, running. So she ran down the steps um, and just started running back to her apartment. Um, and I believe she was kind of running against the direction all the other people were going. And she got, just got back to her apartment. She had a friend who, like a couple that she knew um, that came to her apartment because it was closer and they couldn't get from work to, I guess they met up somehow and were trying to get to safety but couldn't get to where they lived. And they, she said they had just like towels, like bath towels almost over their face and over their bodies just so they could try to breathe because at the, the cloud of smoke was so, you couldn't even breathe. It was just going in your lungs and burning your lungs. Um, so it was really horrible. So, um, so at that point, I'm of course at work, I'm freaking out, I'm trying to call them. Call, call, it just is going to this. Your call cannot be completed. Your call can't be completed, you and, know? And the, yeah, I'm thinking about like, you know, it's 2001, beginnings of cell phone technology, you know, so many stories of the day where people couldn't get in contact with people. Yes. There was no way. So you're calling, calling and, and to no answer. So you're at school, you're trying to balance, you know, right. what's going on and, right. and knowing you have family that's all over the place. And I'm calling, then I could get through to my parents. They were in Pennsylvania and they're saying, okay, let's stay calm. None of us can get through to them. Just let's take a deep breath, like, let's hope for the best. But we knew a lot of people had died at this point. Um, and I told Mr. Sechko already, one of our, my best friends, who's also a Mayus High School graduate, same Steve Evans, he um, grew up here in the area and went to Mayus. And he was also in, I can't remember if he was in one of like the 
the other towers right there, not the twin towers, but there's like building, you know how there was building like yep. five. And, um, and so he ran out too. I knew he was close by um, and he really was close. So he saw a lot of the devastation. I won't get into it. I told Mr. Suchko, but it was pretty uh, just horrible, a, a devastating sight. I, I'm sure those, um, those moments are still imprinted, you know, in his brain forever that you'll never be able to get those sights out of your mind what he experienced which was absolutely horrible um and he but he was okay also luckily um so anyway after much calling after a lot of time we were able to get a hold of my my family members my sisters i would guess it was late at night maybe it wasn't for hours and hours of just not sure so do you remember what, what did you do the rest of the day in school? So you're student teaching, so that's stressful mm -hmm. enough. You mm -hmm. know, now you have family members that you can't identify where they are. What was the rest, if you remember, what was the rest of your day like while you were it's, trying to well, carry on? I mean, we did not put it on in the classroom because we didn't want to upset any of the students. Obviously, I was really upset. Um, so why we wouldn't want that to be the case for all the kids. I feel like I remember parents picking up their kids, just pulling them out of school. I mean, nobody knew it was happening. I remember the plane went down in Pennsylvania then after all that, and the plane went, you know, in DC. So I think people just didn't know what was happening. They just wanted to get their families to safety. So as a teacher, we were just there. Um, helping as best we could, keeping people calm, you know, trying to act as normal as we could, because a lot of the kids weren't aware that what was going on and we didn't want to scare anybody. I was in a middle school and it was like sixth graders. So I didn't, you know, you didn't want to alarm any of the kids and make them upset. Um, so we were just trying to keep on as normal as we could. As a teacher, our job is to keep the kids safe, right? So and not upset them. So we just tried to do the best we could to keep things as normal as possible, keep everybody calm and, you know, not upset the kids. How, how do you think it would have been different? Like if we would, if that would happen today, everyone would have their phone getting constant information. I'm assuming at the middle school at that point, people didn't have phones. So there wasn't really this way of like having information into your classroom. How do you think it would have been different like, do you think it would have been very different dealing with it in like our terms today? Or how do you, how would you think you might've had to handle that? Yeah, I think it would be completely different. I mean, I think it would be more mass chaos, honestly, because we, because when you take away that, that link to everything that's going on is a lot of it is fear building. A lot of maybe media, maybe done purposely and maybe not, but they are, um, there's a lot of false information, I think, that comes out in the beginning. So people are just getting information and reacting to maybe what's not even true. Just like I said, they thought at first it was an accident that somebody just clipped the twin the first tower. So I do think that it would be, I hate to say it, but probably more mass chaos because between Facebook and different online sources, I think people get a lot of false information and then they react to that we went, you went through the day, um, you, you know, were able to kind of, you know, process that help the kids deal with it. Obviously you got good news later on in the night that your sisters were okay. Do you remember what the next day of school was like? Yeah. Um, of school, 
I remember it was like for my family. I think that was my focus, but I don't really remember what it was like for school, to be honest. I think we just went in and kept chugging along. Like I said, try to keep things as normal as possible. So we're, we're up on the 20th anniversary today. Do you do anything in your classroom uh, to help students really learn about that day and kind of, you know, 20 years removed is kind of, we're getting a, really far away from it now. Yeah. Um, what, what have you tried to do or do students in your opinion, like do students even know you were telling me a story about your daughter before we, we started recording, but like, do like our high school students, do you think they even really know what the day was and and what do you do to help kind of help them learn a little bit about it so i'd usually do just like a brain pop activity on 9 11 where we go over what it was and what happened and who were the attackers and different things like that so i do try to go over it um i think that so i'm i consider myself pretty pretty patriotic and i really um feel proud to be an American and that I live in such a safe country. Um, I've traveled to some third world countries and seen things that people don't, people who stay here don't get to see. Like I've traveled through Africa and all different places. And I feel really lucky to be an American and have all the things that we have and the safety and the cleanliness. And I really think that's a, you know, a tribute to our military. You know, they're there, they're keeping us safe. And you know, I can go to bed at night or come to school and not worry about getting shot or not have bullets flying through my windows and all those things that it's not like that other places. So I really, you know, to me, that was in my, in my lifetime, that was the biggest display of, um, you know, how our military came back, what, you know, what they did, how they reacted how the Navy SEALs went and finally got Osama bin Laden, like the whole thing is just makes you feel safe to be an American. So I do feel that it is important that the kids who don't understand who weren't here, it's not, it's not their fault that they don't know about 9-11, but it's important that they understand about what it is and how people are out there. People don't like Americans in other countries and, you know, we still stay safe somehow. And, you know, we, I just feel like it's important to understand it, to know about it, and to realize that because of our military, we are very a very safe country. So we appreciate Ms. Horner for taking some time out to give us that story. You know, so much like detail and, you know, the firsthand accounts from your, your siblings. And it's just, I think they're throughout this episode, we're going to hear so many different stories from different people. And it's really interesting to be able to share such a personal story and connection to your student teaching and to your family and to everything that happened on that day. So thanks a lot for joining us. Sure. Thanks for having me. So we're here with Miss Bauer, who is a volunteer to give us her perspective on being a teacher on September 11th, 2001. She is a prior podcast guest. We'll link to her other episodes in the show notes so you can kind of see where she she talks a lot about her backstory and other stuff as well, too. Um, but we're here to have her talk about September 11th specifically. So, Miss Bauer, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. So we've been asking everybody to share their experience of, of being a teacher or a student on September 11th. So uh, can you let us know where you were and what you were up to? I was in the English hallway of Whitehall High School 
and my class just arrived. <laughs> I was in the English hallway of Whitehall High School and um, a student ran in. We were in between classes. I didn't know anything had happened. And one of my ninth grade students ran in very animated and said, you've got to turn the TV on. Something's going down, something happened. You know, we saw it at the very end of my last class. So I quickly, of course, turned the TV on because it's to me, that's news. And we were watching and I guess the first plane had hit, but there was a lot of speculation as to what, um, what, was, what was happening. You know, nobody, I don't think anybody really thought terrorist attack at first. We just thought there was an accident. Somebody flew too low. And um, it was pretty traumatic because I had, I have a student, I didn't know it at the time, but I have a student in my first period um, back then who actually had a father who was in one of the towers, but she was out of my classroom by that time. So, and I, and I at the time, I didn't even know that. Um, that all came together later, but we were all just kind of speculating. And then um, it wasn't too much longer, maybe 15, 20 minutes later that the other one hit. And we saw that, that I think everybody saw that live because at that point people had every video camera in America or, you know, pointed at the towers and we saw that and then a announcement came out that said we were not as teachers allowed to have our televisions on anymore so we all had to turn them off everyone was freaking out the kids were very upset um so all i could really do was not teach there's no way you could teach so we just kind of sat and tried to you know talk it through and process it and you know, hope that everybody was okay. I remember my sister called me and I was trying to remember, I talked to her last night if she called me on a cell, cell phone or not. I can't remember if I had a cell phone back in that year, which is pretty sad. Well, we've been talking a lot to people about their cell phones and, and some people <laughs> had them and some people didn't in 2001, so. I think my sister did, but I don't think at that point, I think I was kind of resistant. And, um, but I'm like, I'm 99.9% .9 sure I did not. And she called me. I was shocked that they let the call come through. It must've been one of the first ones because after that, I don't remember any phone call. I, I think they weren't accepting calls because everybody was calling, Yeah. Um, you know, and everybody wanted to know what happened. So there were no television things. There were no phone calls. I think I got one of the only calls. My sister just called to ask if I was all right, which I thought was in retrospect, it's, it's so nice, but kind of humorous because it was really New York, you know, and Washington yeah. centered, but everybody was, you know, unsure what the targets were, who might be next. And, you know, people were just really scared about their loved ones. So, so, so you were saying real uh, about the rest of the day. Do you remember like kind of what happened for the rest of the day? Um, just kind of, I know you weren't allowed to like have the stuff on, but like, what was the rest of the day like for the students in the building? The rest of the day was really no teaching. There, I don't think any teaching happened at all. I think if you tried to teach, you were a fool. When something like that happens, um, I've had situations where kids have been in car accidents and you, you just need to take time and process that. But we very slowly um, got intelligence that, you know, and, and really started to put it together on our own. After the second one hit, we were like, this this is too coincidental. You don't get planes flying low like that in New York. And then of course we heard about the, the Pentagon and then uh, later about, um, you know, the one that happened to the plane that went down in Schwenksburg that I guess was supposed to be coming to the White House or the Capitol. Um, but we were, we had kind of 
honestly on our own. It was a really sharp uh, honors class and we were kind of put, trying to put that together on our own. Um, and we were, you know, just confirmed then in what we, what we thought a little bit later, but it was just processing. That's all the day was and, and calming people down. Kids were crying. Yeah. These were high school kids and they were, they were crying. And I can only imagine what the girl who was in my first period class must have been going, must have been going through because her, her father didn't make it as I found out later. And you're, and you were teaching ninth graders at the time, right? Ninth grade English. Yes. And we were doing, I think we were doing Romeo and Juliet. Thank goodness we hadn't got to the super tragedy part of it yet. Um, You know, which is kind of heavy on its own, but uh, yeah, the kids just, it was the beginning of that period. And like I said, some kid came running it, literally running in and he was never first for class. And just, we saw maybe 20 minutes um, before the school just shut down the whole experience. And one last question for you here, because I know you have a class that just came in, but um, what was it like the days after? Do you remember the days after? And when did the return, I, I've been using like a return to normalcy in the building happen? Like, do you remember kind of like how that process was afterwards? I do. I do remember some of it. Um, our school always acted as if back then for anything that was traumatic, whether it was something like this, it was the passing of student or a faculty member, it was treated back then like business as usual, business as usual, like that, that that was the best way to handle it. So again, we weren't supposed to be, um, you know, turning TVs on to news reports. We really weren't um, supposed to be talking about it, like continuing to talk about it. That day, they couldn't have stopped me or anybody from talking about it, but we were supposed to try to uh, shut that down for the most part um, going forward and get back to normal. The quicker we got back to normal, the quicker everything would kind of go away in everybody's head. And um, honestly, it didn't work that way for me. I I think I mentioned to you earlier, I was in a classroom uh, student teaching when the Challenger exploded. We were all watching the first teacher in space and um, that was a junior high school. And those kids, just about every kid in the classroom started screaming, crying. Um, 9-11 really brought that back, really brought that home to me. It wasn't quite as bad because the students were older and they were a little bit better able to keep it together. And we could talk about it more. It's harder to talk with junior high school student sixth graders, but um, but that's what they encouraged us to do. Keep just go on as normal. And that was very hard for me. And last, last question, are there any books or anything in the library that you have related to 9-11 that if people wanted to come and check out? We do. We have a lot of nonfiction books. We A lot of nonfiction books. We have poetry selections. We have at least one graphic novel. And we do have fictional stories about people who, you know, before, during, or after met, met up. Um, on that day and how, you know, their, their backgrounds might've been diverse, but how that particular event might've brought them together, just a common experience. So yes, we have lots. So if you're interested in any additional resources after you listen to this, Ms. Bauer in the library has all those. I know you have to run. Thanks a lot for your time and for reflecting back on the day, Ms. Bauer. I'm going to add one more thing and then I'm going to, I'm going to bug out. Sure. I did visit um, Ground Zero um, with a class when I 
you know, a little bit later in my teaching career, I would really recommend um, people check that out. It was really moving. Um, I was through the experience, you know, of 9-11, so maybe more so for me, but it's, it was huge. I'm, you know, I'm sure you remember. So yeah, learning about it was awesome, but going there is a completely different experience. Books are great, but going there is, is different. I agree. I was there. I went there too to visit and uh, haven't been to the museum, like the, the one that they just built, but um, yeah, it's definitely, definitely learning history by, by living, being a part of it. So thank you very much. And uh, we appreciate your time. Thank you. We're here with uh, Mr. Gallagher. Mr. Gallagher is also, we have a lot of first timers today onto the podcast. Um, I sent out, like I said previously, I sent out an email, I got some responses back. And Mr. Gallagher is a member of our social studies department. He teaches a lot of the upper level classes. He teaches our humanities class. Um, so really, we don't have a chance to talk to him about a whole lot of ninth grade issues, but he jumped at the opportunity to come on and talk some history with us here to represent our social studies department and the East Penn School District. He is our lone person that was teaching in the East Penn School District on September 11th, 2001. So Mr. Gallagher, thanks a lot for joining us today. Well, thank you for the invitation, Mr. Stutzko. It's, it's a pleasure, truly. So uh, we just asked everyone the very basic question right up at the front. So where were you on September 11th, 2001? I was at Iron Middle, middle School. It was the middle school then. Uh, I was teaching seventh grade. And the way the timing worked out, our I think it was about our second period class was my team meeting and prep time. They were combined at that time. So I was free that period. And I actually, uh, just a little bit before nine, what was it, uh, about 8.53 or something a.m., I walked down to the library and one of the library aides told me, did you hear a plane crashed into the World Trade Center? And I said, no, really? And she said, yes, it was just on the news. So I went back to my room, turned on the TV and was watching the coverage of that. Uh, and then it was just, what, approximately 10 minutes later or so I was watching the news and they were filming the, the, the tower that got hit. I guess it was tower two that got hit first, I think. Yep. Uh, and then I, I saw live the second plane hit that. So you, so you didn't have students at the time. No, so kind of, you were, that. you were able to kind of process it a little bit on your own, but right. like, so do you remember like the rest of the day, like what they did next at Iyer? Uh, Cause we've talked to different people that approached it like lots of different ways. They were at different schools and different yeah. scenarios, but do you remember what they did like during the rest of that day? And obviously as a social studies teacher, this is like, you know, history happening right in front of your eyes. So what, what was the rest of that day like for the students and for the staff at really, Iyer? Yeah, it was really weird because we tried to do what we could, as you said, for ourselves and the students to process what, what had happened. But we didn't have that much information. And I know the, the children came back shortly after nine o'clock, I believe. So they didn't see that with me. But I still had the TV on and they were replaying that loop. So some of the kids caught it uh, after it actually happened. But then our principal at the time, I think it was Mrs. Drake came on and said, hey, please turn off your TVs. We don't wanna be watching this because there were several children that, well, probably many as a matter of fact, that had parents or relatives that worked in New York City. And I actually at the time had a student whose father was an airline pilot. But he, fortunately that student's dad wasn't involved in that. He was somewhere else flying a different flight and all that. Um, 
but it's interesting that you bring that up because I was racking my brain thinking, what did we do? And it, it was honestly such a blur. We, we gave, we kept the kids in homeroom, essentially team time, as we called it back then. Mm. And I said, just, just tried to process stuff. I think we put in some kind of humorous movie that we could show them just to kind of ease the tensions a little bit. Like, uh, were you, what was the mood like in the building? Like, was it like kind of like frantic trying to come up with that kind of stuff? Was it like, I, I just kind of imagine like now if we had a situation like this, there'd be so many different like things that would be in play. Like you would have kids on social media, you'd have kids that would have access to everything. In 2001, they didn't have that instant access right. to information. So was there like, I, I know you said you kind of were able to basically block out a lot of the live footage of everything but was there kind of like a mood in the building of like we want to know more about it and they just decided we're not going to go there absolutely yeah especially among the adults but at the same time i know meeting with my colleagues we were okay what can we do for our students they have to take priority you know that as a great educator the students have to take priority so we wanted to make sure we made made them feel safe and comfortable and making sure that their needs were looked after first. So we gave them what information we could that wasn't uh, speculation and then just tried to keep them occupied. Now, I do know uh, there was some debate going back and forth over whether we should let the students out early, send them home, but it was decided that we shouldn't do that because we, did, we didn't have any idea how widespread this was going to be. And when the, you know, when the plane hit the Pentagon and then uh, crashed in Western PA, um, we realized that it was probably best for them to stay in school. So, so we, yeah, yeah, go so ahead. This, yeah, so the students stayed in school that day and you kind of, it's, it's really interesting because a lot of the people that I talked to, whether it was here, whether they were a student or even in other districts, that they, the mood was just keep the day moving as normal as possible, mm -hmm. right. um, which I think is interesting because I don't know if that would be able to be done today. So you went through the day as normal as possible on the 11th. Do you remember what the days afterwards were like? I, I assume that school was in session on the 12th here and kind of when the students came in, what was that experience like for them the next day? Exactly as you just described, we, we told the students what we could without speculating, without getting too heavy duty into it. And, and we said, the best thing we can do is just go on with stuff, right? So um, if I recall correctly, we might've did some map work in social studies because we did a lot of map work back then. Uh, I know in English, they were reading stuff, math was doing it, science was basically trying to make it as normal as possible until we had a better handle on what exactly happened. Because even, you know, several days, several weeks later, we were still getting new information about what was going on and exactly what happened there. So kind of, I've been asking this to everyone too, like what, when can you say that like, there was like a quote return to normal or was there, did it take a long time for like, were students kind of on edge about any of it? Do you remember like oh, and being worried about like potential future attacks or even like from the district point of view of like kind of how they handled it? Was there a time frame where you kind of remember things kind of it sounds like things were basically normal ish the next day trying to keep it normal. But when yeah. did it kind of turn back to business as usual? That's a great question, Chris. I proved 
I would be hard pressed to put my finger on that and give you a specific answer. Um, like I said, the next day we tried to get things as normal as possible. Uh, we just had to keep plugging along. Uh, hmm. I know it was it was the topic of conversation. Uh, I want to describe it as light conversation, but of course it wasn't light conversation, as simple conversation yeah. in my social studies class when we would start. But then I would transition into, okay, we talked about that. We'll get more information in the coming days. We'll talk about it again, but let's get back to the curriculum. Uh, and we tried to do that as quickly as possible. District-wide, I'm not sure, but I know at Iyer, we tried to get back as soon as we could. So we were kind of chatting before we kind of started recording and you were telling me that your your current classes, you were kind of mentioned you were going to come on and talk to them about primary sources and, you know, mm -hmm. taking a look at the, it's the 20th anniversary of the attacks and we have maybe a, a handful of students that were even alive in the building when it happened. Um, how... In your role, how do you kind of try to explain that to them? And like, what's the importance of like having the primary source of like talking to people that were there, like experiencing it from all different angles? Like as a teacher, you know, I was actually in like I was in college at College Park, Maryland, right outside of D.C. So I have a different perspective. So we have lots of different perspectives on kind of how the day was. We open up the conversation to my students. Um, I did a little bit of that today with my government class, as a matter of fact, because I won't see them tomorrow with our AB block schedule. And I, I basically asked them, what do you think we should do on this day? Uh, obviously, we don't, we don't celebrate it, but we memorialize the people who suffered there and who were impacted by it. Uh, and um, it, it's, it's a question of remembering it, especially remembering the people because that's what history is all about, really. It's all history is biography, right? Um, at the same time, trying not to sensationalize it. And uh, that's one of the hardest parts, I think. But it gets easier as we, well, I think it gets easier as we get farther removed from it because we get those lenses of bias start to, to go away. It's, uh, I don't know if you don't mind a real quick story. You know, my son, my oldest son was six years old when that happened. And it was for two or three days afterward that there were no planes. Uh, all the planes were grounded. You couldn't fly over American airspace. You know, when they started that again, where I live in Bethlehem, we sometimes see and hear planes coming into Lehigh Valley Airport. And I was walking with my son and flying into the airport. And when he heard it, he went, he actually flinched. My six-year-old son lynched because he heard a plane and he knew what had happened yeah it's, that's that's crazy to kind of think that that you know a six-year-old maybe just overhearing the news not necessarily yeah. sitting in front of it but to be able to have, be that aware of of kind of what what they saw and what they heard is kind of amazing to think um so we have a couple couple more questions here um as a social studies teacher uh we asked miss bauer who's our librarian to kind of they have lots of resources um up in the library is there anything that as a social studies teacher you would recommend that students take a look at or even parents or adults listening to this take a look at that would kind of give um the historical point of view not necessarily like a one way or the other point of view but like what they what students should be looking at to get like a true story of what happened on that day 
one of the most interesting documentaries I've ever seen is actually uh, Mr. Flynn, who used to work here, um, shared this with me. And, and whenever I taught American history, I used it. it it's called 9-11, but there's lots of documentaries that are called that these days. But this one was actually, there were two, two French filmmakers, brothers, who were filming, they were doing a documentary on New York City firefighters. And they were filming on that day. And they quite literally filmed the plane hit the tower. And the whole documentary is about firefighters in the station going in there and, you know, they tell some of the history and then they go from the, the personal accounts of these firefighters. Uh, it is amazing. I agree. That is definitely one that I've seen and it's definitely one that is that is worth your worth everyone's time to take a look at. And again, they weren't expecting to film any of that when they were doing right. it. And it was like a long process for them to even get in there and get that get that film. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you one final question. You're our noted mu music expert here at the high school. You're sending out stuff all the time. And yeah. uh, we know like, well, maybe the, the students are listening, but maybe the adults remember that there was a Bruce Springsteen. I know you're a big Bruce Springsteen fan. The album, sure. The Rising, came up about a uh, nine or ten months afterwards, and it was kind of like the one-year anthem of like kind of overcoming all the different stuff. So just as we kind of close here, like what is the impact of like pop culture and like music on like our remembrance of history and kind of helping to guide and shape that as kind of like a – it was like kind of a touchstone moment. Like I remember that, like, you know, I was in college when that album came out and, you know, I remember that visual vividly. And I remember all this, all the stuff surrounding it. So what is that kind of intersection of history and pop culture music and stuff like oh, that? Speaking of primary sources, as I'm one for teaching on nine 11, those, those songs are, are, you know, music is a primary source. So we can learn a lot of the attitudes of the time by listening to the music of the time. And that album particularly, I, I found very fascinating because it helped, I think it helped me anyway, and probably a bunch of other people too, process the emotions that we had uh, as a result of that. Um, in one of the songs, uh, Empty Sky, he has a line that, uh, I want a kiss from your lips. The next line is, I want an eye for an eye. And he talks about the attitude of, oh, I want to get the people responsible for this. And that's exactly what I felt when I saw my son flinch when he heard that airplane. I thought, you, you made my six-year-old son afraid of airplanes. I want you to suffer. But of course, vengeance is injustice. And in, in that particular song and a whole host of other songs, uh, both by Bruce Springsteen and other artists, they, they helped us process that. So it is, hey, this is what people felt at that time. They wanted to make who was responsible for this pay. At the same time, he has songs in that album that borrow things from Arab culture. And part of the message was, of course, yes, some people of this ethnic group did this, but we can't vilify the ethnic group because of that. And, you know, the people who um, uh, you're missing is just a phenomenal song about somebody whose who's loved one perished. They're waiting for them to come back and then we're 3,000 casualties approximately, right? There's 3,000 families that lost someone on that day. And their story is told in that song. Uh, and the, one of the most powerful songs he ever wrote, I think, was in that on that album, Into the Fire. It's about, it's about first responders. Now, 
you know, he tells the story of somebody coming down the stairs of the, the tower because they want to get out of that building and firefighters going the other way. Yeah. Can you imagine the kind of individual that is going up those stairs instead of down? That is incredible. And that's... And yeah, and I... And I think the images from that song, and you hit on so many of the songs, so if you're listening and you have Spotify and you've never listened to that and you want to kind of link it all together here, it's called The Rising. It's by Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band, but uh, definitely a recommendation. It's kind of a history, a musical history, I guess you could say, of of that day. So, Mr. Gallagher, thank you so much for taking some time out to join us today. I really appreciate you, you know, talking history. I I feel like this could be uh, the the beginning of something, talking history or or something. But yeah, but thank you very much. But thank you very much for joining us here. Thank you, Mr. Stutzko. I appreciate the, the invitation. And do well, ninth graders. We'll see you in a couple of years. <laughs>